If you've been here the last couple weeks, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer, and so if you've been here, you'd probably be expecting that we would be doing the your kingdom come, your will be done verse, but we're actually, we're, we're not intentionally skipping it and leaving it out, but we're going to come back to that. So uh, therefore today, we are going to be on verse 11, I think it is, which is give us this day our daily bread. Um, so with that said, um, if you're a follower of Jesus, the odds are, at least I would assume, that you've probably been through a season of life where for an elongated period of time, it seems like God kind of te- keeps trying to teach you the same lesson over and over and over. Um, and I think there's a couple of different reasons for that. I think one of those reasons is maybe it's that we just aren't getting it, whatever that lesson is, that we're not getting it and God just needs to keep drilling it into us. Or maybe it's just that God wants us to get it in a really deep way. Um, one of those lessons for me is, is kind of on what we're going to be talking about today, but one of those lessons for me is, is just like my need for God. Uh, and I know that sounds really, really simple and basic, and it's probably like, well, yeah, duh, you need God. But, but really, it's more of a question I feel like God's kind, of been, um, God's kind of been challenging me with, which is, do you actually live like you really need me? And then what does that show people who don't know me? What is your life and how you live it show people who don't know me? Um, so today, what, what we're going to spend most of our time doing is we're going to really be kind of trying to follow suit in what I think Jesus was trying to do when he was giving uh, us the Lord's Prayer, which was really pushing back against the cultural lies of the day. So the Lord's Prayer, it actually falls within this passage um, called the Sermon on the Mount. So in the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus was doing is he's, he's up on this, literally this mountain, and he's speaking to these massive crowds of people. And what he's doing is he's kind of, he says a lot of things like, you've heard it said, you've heard this said, but I say this. You've seen this done this way, but I say do it this way. And so what, he, what he's doing is he's kind of pushing it back against these, these cultural lies of the day. And for, for the people he was talking to, a lot of it was like religious lies. It was kind of the, the way that like the Pharisees were, were modeling what it looks like to, to follow God. And Jesus was basically, what he was trying to say is, you guys have this whole thing wrong. Like the way you guys are doing it, it's, it's not the way it should be done. Even before, right before the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, don't pray like the hypocrites. He says, don't pray to be seen. Don't pray to be heard. He, he says, you know, don't, don't pray with a lot of words. Actually use fewer words. And so he's pushing back against this. So to, to fall in line with that today, I've kind of identified two cultural lies that I think the give us this day our daily bread verse kind of pushes back against. Um, one of those lies, the first one is the idea that God helps those that help themselves. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that phrase, that God helps those that help themselves. Um, so while there might be a slight ounce of truth to that statement, I think that ultimately it's kind of a lie. And I think what it does is it causes us to lean towards self-reliance, and it totally causes us to step away from complete and total reliance on God. And that's really what the, what the overarching theme of this verse is. The overarching theme, the kind of one-sentence summary, whenever I teach, I try to condense the whole message into a one-sentence summary. That way I make sure I'm not getting too far out of line. But the one-sentence summary for this particular verse is total reliance on God every moment of every day, one day at a time. So we're going to break that verse up into two parts. The give us this day our daily bread. Part one is going to be give us our daily bread. And then part two is going to be this day. Because I think both of those parts have a lot of really important implications for our lives. Um, 
really specifically the this day part, because I don't think that Jesus ever spoke without intention. I don't think he, he just threw words out willy-nilly and was kind of like, oh, I'm going to say this just because I feel like it. So when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, I think that has a lot of, of meaning. It has a lot of intentionality behind it, and, and I think it, it, it speaks to the kind of rhythm and the kind of pace that God wants us to have um, with our life. And so both of those cultural lies that I talked about combined, working together, I think what they do is they, they, have, they, they provide a barrier that actually keeps us from total reliance on God every moment of every day, one day at a time. So um, we'll start with, with the first one uh, and the first part of this verse, which is the give us our daily bread, which is the counter to God helps those who help themselves. So, you know, you kind of go back to the beginning and think about the way that God created us as people, right? God created us to be, we're, we're creatures, right? We are totally reliant on the one that created us. Now, though he did create us to work, you know, he said subdue the earth, he said have dominion over it, and he wanted us to tend to his creation and, and to make it thrive. He, you know, I'm not trying to say that we are supposed to be so reliant on God that we just sit around and do nothing and wait for God to drop everything in front of us. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is he, he built in to his creation these systems that, that force us to rely on him. Uh, I, would, I honestly never thought I would ever use this word once I got past sixth grade. I specifically didn't think I'd be using it in a uh, sermon. But uh, does everybody know what photosynthesis is? Yeah, yeah. So photo, photosynthesis, never thought I'd use that word again. Um, but it's, it's, for anybody that doesn't know, it's the process of how a plant basically takes the light from the sun and turns that into energy and, and helps itself grow, right? So, so you know, God, God gave Adam and Eve the earth. He gave us as people the earth. And he said, subdue it, have dominion over it, make it thrive. So even when, for anybody that's a gardener in here, even when you plant something, even if you have a garden, you can tend it. There's a lot of things you can do. I, I don't know any of those things because I'm not a gardener. I, I don't really care for any of that. But uh, there's things that you can do, right? There's specific ways that you, you cut off certain parts of the plant. You give it certain water. For some things, there's certain chemicals. And so I'm, I'm saying all that to say, like, we can control a lot of things in that process, but what we can't control is how that process works. We can't, we can't change and modify the fact that that plant has to have sun and has to process it the way that God designed it to process it in order to grow. But I think what we're a lot more prone to do is we're a lot more prone to, let's say we plant something, we're a lot more prone in our hearts to say, look at what I've grown rather than thank you, God, for making it grow. And it's because of the fact that our hearts, we have a resistance to being reliant on God. We, we, we resist that. And that's really, when you think about it, the first time that sin entered the world, that's what that sprang from. It was, oh, goodness gracious. That was a, I know I'm trying to get the thing out of the way. Thanks, buddy. Um, it, was, it was a resistance to wanting to be, it was, it was resistance to being dependent on God. You know, Lucifer, before he was cast down from heaven, he, it says that he was actually like the highest angel, the greatest angel, but he couldn't live with the fact that he was created and not creator. He wanted to be in the place of creator. And likewise, Adam and Eve, the, the, the reason that they actually ended up sinning was that they were convinced that dependence on God and reliance on God was actually keeping them from their potential. It was actually keeping them from the life that they could have. They weren't content in being totally and wholly reliant on God. And we struggle with that same thing in our heart. We struggle 
with wanting to be reliant on God because we want to live our own life. We want to make our own decisions. We don't want to have to rely on, on somebody else. Um, and so, like I said, God, God created the, the systems and the processes of this world so that we are forced to rely on him. Sometimes I think about just how much we underestimate how much we actually need God. Um, I can struggle, I don't think a ton, but I can definitely struggle with kind of boasting in my own abilities um, in the things that I know how to do, and I hope that maybe there's somebody else out there who struggles with that same thing. Um, but I can kind of boast in like, oh, I know, I know how to do a, a lot of things. I can, I can do things pretty well. But, but then I, I think about the fact that, like, I have no bearing, I have no determination on whether or not the sun even rises every day. Like, for as much as I think I can do, for as much as I think I can plan, like, I don't even determine whether or not the sun actually rises for me to be able to do any of those things every single day. Like, I literally wouldn't be able to see. I, I, don't, I can't even determine, like, I, like I said, I, I can do all these things. I can, you know, we say we, we boast in all these things that we can do, but, like, we don't even determine whether or not tomorrow comes. Yet, we think that, like, we, we think that we're so independent. We think that we, we don't need God. We think that we don't need Him in, in absolutely every way. Um, there's a verse in James that I, that I always think about when I think of this, and it says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Like, do we even realize how arrogant it is for us to to like make a plan for tomorrow, for next week, for next year. But we do it all the time. Like we, we map out our week from the beginning of the week. And I'm not saying that planning is entirely bad. Like the word actually says that if you don't plan, if you don't have vision, you'll perish. But like, think about it, how arrogant it is for us to just presume that the sun is going to rise every day, even though we have no ability to determine whether or not that actually happens. Like we, our, our life here on this earth, our physical life, is completely determined by someone else, completely determined by God. I'm not somebody that's super big on like, okay, based on this text, here are the five life application points. Like, I just don't really like that a whole lot. And one of the reasons that I don't like that is because I think, I'm not saying it's entirely bad, but I think sometimes it actually causes us to, to be pushed away from a relationship with God, and it causes us to kind of maybe lean towards equation. And what I mean by equation is like, you know, if you do X, Y, Z, then you get this. If you, if you plug in X, then you get Y, and I just don't think that's always very helpful. So what I'm going to do throughout the day is I'm kind of just going to ask questions. That way it's more of a reflection thing. That way, you know, you can take the question that I ask, and it's not like a, oh, the, the guy that was teaching today said do this, 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 and this, so I'm going to go and I'm going to do this, 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 and this, but rather I'm going to give you some questions, and, and I hope that as you wrestle through these questions, God just reveals um, the answer, not, and that way I'm not giving you the answer, but that way that God reveals it, and you actually get to have that experience with him. So question number one, why do you resist total reliance on God? Question number two, what causes you to lean 
towards self-reliance. Question number three, why do you sometimes prefer self-reliance? And then question number four, where does self-reliance typically get you? Now, I don't know your answer to all those questions. I have an idea of my answer to those questions, and I need to wrestle through them more, but, but I hope that, that you, you, really, you really ponder those questions. And, and I think it, what it does is it's going to reveal you know, why is it that maybe my life doesn't reflect the fact that I rely totally on God and doesn't reflect the fact that I need him as much as I know that I actually do. So cultural lie number two, moving into the kind of the second part, the second half. Cultural lie number two was that it is good to be busy. It is admirable to be busy. And the counter to that is going to be the part of the verse that says this day. So I know that that might not make a whole lot of sense, and you might be wondering, like, well, what, where is he going with this? I don't really get this, but just bear with me. So the this day aspect of this verse, I think it has a lot of implications about our pace of life and about the rhythm in which we live our life. Um, so once again, let's go back to the beginning. Let's think about how God created things. So when God created, it says that on the first day, God created, and then it lists what he created, and then it says, and then the second day, he created and then the third day, and then the fourth day, and so on and so on and so on. So from the very beginning, God has kind of established this rhythm that we're supposed to have in our lives that is a day-by-day rhythm. Not a weekly, not a monthly, not a yearly, but it's a day-by-day rhythm. It's a day-by-day list of tasks, lists of things to do. Um, And then at the end of those days, God created a Sabbath, right? It says on on the seventh day, God rested. Now the intention of of a Sabbath is so that we can focus. It's not, it's not really that we need the physical rest. We do need physical rest, but I think the, the heart behind a Sabbath is actually the fact that God created it so that we can focus on our relationship with him and our dependency on him. It had a lot less to do with like, oh, I think they need some rest so they don't wear out like physically, and I think it's much more, I need them to be forced to stop trying to produce, especially in the day and age that we live Life is, honestly, can just become about what can you produce? How much can you produce? How much can you get done in a day? How much can you get done in a week? How much can you fit in to your schedule? And what a Sabbath does is it forces us to have to stop and to break that pattern, to break that habit of what can we do? What else can I, can I get done today? Our lives can become so chaotic, and our lives become so busy. Um, so I'm going to throw this out there real quick. So how many of you guys growing up or can still to this day like go on a vacation once a year or somewhere once or twice a year, however many times? Right, so growing up for me, we, we went on a vacation once every year, right? And so, so if you think about that, it's like, okay, God created us to have a Sabbath once a week, but the way that we've kind of morphed that is that we, we kind of have a period of rest once a year. So I can remember, and now still to this day, we still, we usually go somewhere once a week. I can remember... About a month before we leave, you kind of get into this mode where you say, oh, I could just four more weeks, just four more weeks. Or, and then it's like, just two more weeks, just one more week, just three more days. And, and you kind of, you build it up and you look forward to this time where you're finally going to be able to get, to get out of your chaotic, hectic, and unsustainable life to have a week-long break. But then what tends to happen is you get about three or four days into the vacation, you got about two or three days left, and this feeling of dread sets in. This feeling of dread of, dang it, 
It's almost over. Like, the good part's over. Now I have to think about going back to my chaotic, hectic, and unsustainable life, right? Like, think about why do we, why do we dread Mondays so bad? Why do, we, why, are, why do Sunday nights sometimes typically suck? <laughs> it's because of the fact that we're thinking about, I've got to go back to work tomorrow. I've got to go back to this crazy, unsustainable life. Think about, it's the dread of going back to the life where when somebody asks you how your day is going or how you're doing, you say, oh man, been busy, been crazy. Oh man, things, sorry I forgot that. Sorry I dropped the ball on that. I just, I got caught up in this. I mean, Bob and I were actually talking this week and one of the things that, you know, hope you don't care that I mentioned this, but one of the things he said was, he's like, yeah, my typical response is actually busy but good. And so I'm not like condemning that. I'm not saying that's like a bad thing, but, but still, like why is it that when people ask us how we're doing, it's always something to do with how busy and overwhelmed our lives feel? It has nothing to do with, it's typically the response isn't, oh, things are going really well. This awesome thing happened, and, and I'm really thriving in this way. It's, it, but rather it's, I kind of feel like I'm drowning when people ask how you're doing. Think about if Jesus would have said some of the things that we say today. Think about if Jesus would have said if somebody said, hey, Jesus, how are you doing today? And he would have said, oh, man, been crazy. Work's been busy. I haven't, I haven't been able to sleep recently. Work's just been crazy. I've been overwhelmed. Like, Jesus never said anything like that. If you read through the Gospels, Jesus was actually never in a rush. He actually never seemed hurried. He had three years, which in some context sounds like a long time, but he had three years to convince the world pretty much that he was the redeemer of the world. Three years. That's not a whole lot of time considering the task at hand. But he never seemed rushed. Now, some people might say, well, yeah, he never seemed rushed. He knew what was going to happen. Well, I don't necessarily think that, that, that that's the case. I mean, I don't know if he knew exactly what was going to happen in his earthly body here or not. I don't know. But I think the reason that he never seemed like he was in a rush was because how much he trusted God to meet the needs of the moment. You will never in the Gospels find Jesus talking about the plan for the next day, talking about the plan for the next week. Actually, it says stuff like this. It says, Jesus went to this place, and then he went here, and on his way here, he did this. It never talks about Jesus and his disciples saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to go to this place, we're going to do these three things, we're going to run into this person on our way there, and then you know, tomorrow we're going to go to these three places and we're going to get these couple things done. Like, that never happens. Like, Jesus lived his life in total reliance on God to meet the need of every moment, each and every day. But we don't do that. Like, I know for me, I can, I can wake up in the day and I literally, like, my morning or my day is consumed thinking about what I need to do tomorrow, thinking about the things that I have to get done later in the week. For example, there is a pretty big test that I actually have to take this afternoon. So it is a huge temptation for me to be like, even, even while I'm up here thinking about like, man, once I get done with church, I'm going to have to go home and I'm going to study for a couple hours and I'm going to take this test and I'm going to get it done. And that's just continuously how we live our life. And what it does is it provides no opportunity for real rest. It provides no opportunity for for soul rest, for sure, no opportunity for physical rest, and really, it provides little opportunity for communion with God, for a relationship with God. When Jesus would go and do things like teach, like he is in this sermon, or when he would go and heal, it actually says that, and a lot of times, he would go and pray after that. He would go away, and it says that every morning that Jesus, as was his custom, he would go and pray. He'd wake up early and pray. And it's because of the fact that Jesus knew how deeply he needed God. He knew he could not start a day without coming to God first. 
I wish that I could say that I wake up every single day and I spend X amount of time with God before I start my day, but I'll be honest, a lot of the days that's not what happens. A lot of the days it's wake up out of bed, put your feet on the floor and say, oh, I have a lot I have to do today. God help me. And then you get up. And like, especially for the season of life that we're in right now, like things are just kind of crazy. But like Jesus, like he, he, he never had that spirit about him. He never had that way of thinking. Like Jesus knew that he needed the Father for rejuvenation. I mean, he was the Son of God, and even he knew that he needed God to rejuvenate him. He needed God to encourage, his, to encourage him. He needed God for guidance, and he needed God for rest. And Jesus knew that true rest was found in constant daily communion with God. Whenever I think about the word rest, and, and, and like that soul kind of rest. I think of Matthew 11 where it says, where Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. There, the message paraphrase, which I love the way that this is worded, it says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. It says, recover your life. Get away with me and recover your life. Do we realize that the inability, our inability to stop trying to produce more, our inability to take rest, our inability to have free time, to have downtime, it is destroying our lives. It is destroying the kind of communion that we're supposed to have with God. Now, I'm sure that there are some people in here who do a really good job of managing their time well and having downtime and having free time. But I think as a culture, and that's what we're addressing right now, this kind of cultural lie that says it's good to be busy, it's almost like people almost praise you when you say that you're crazy busy. People almost be like, oh man, that, he's doing well. He's staying busy. Like it's like, a, it's like it's a good thing, but it's not. It's destroying our lives. And I think we can have a hard time actually knowing what it truly means to rely on God because we don't ever stop for long enough to realize where the chaos of our life has gotten us. Like we don't really, until we really stop and think about how fast of a pace we're living at, we don't realize how far we are from God. Because it's easy to think like, yeah, I'm close with God, but then let's say if we're on vacation. Like, I don't know about you, but when I do go on vacation, like, those are some of the close, that's some of the time where I feel closest to God because I feel like I can just rest. Now, most of the time, that also is accompanied with a beach chair, my feet in the sand, and a drink in my hand, and that helps. But, like, those are the times when I finally realize, wow, God, like, we're, we're not really where we need to be. I'm not really live in the way that I need to live. But the thing is, you can't even diagnose those things. You don't even realize those things unless you stop, unless you understand the this day part of the give us this day, our daily bread. Give me what I need for today. Help me to focus on today and not the 500 things that I have to do later in this week. Help me to live in those unforced rhythms of grace. Help me to live in the moment, not two hours from the moment. Don't help me to approach Monday like it's a Monday, not approach Monday in anticipation of Friday. Like, it's just, we, we, we flipped that upside down. We've turned it over. And the only way that we can begin to truly rely on God is when 
we begin to build our lives around the kind of communion that we want with him rather than building the kind of communion that we're having with him around our lives. Now, I don't know if that makes sense, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, I think what happens is we choose the time that we, that we have with God based on when our schedule allows, but really one of the things that Jesus modeled so well was actually building his schedule around his communion with God and his relationship with God. Now, what I always struggle with is like, well, you know, how in the world am I supposed to go and work a job, work 40 hours a week? How am I supposed to do all that and build that around my communion with God? And honestly, my answer would be, go read the Gospels. Go read how Jesus did it, because he modeled perfectly how even though you have a lot you have to get done in a short period of time, how you can, you can make your life revolve entirely around your reliance on God and not around the things that you have to get done. But baked within that is a question of, do, do you actually desire to have the time with God, or do you like just having a list of things to do? Do you prefer, goes back to the question I asked earlier, do you prefer to be reliant on yourself? I think in a lot of ways, that's actually the harder question of, not only do I really think I need God, but do I actually want God? And I think that, the answer to that question reveals a lot more about our heart. So a couple other questions here as we kind of get close to wrapping up, and these ones are more in line with the this day, the counter to it's good to be busy um, lie. Question number one, what does it look like in your own life to get away with Jesus? Question number two, what areas of your life do you need to recover? Where do you need to recover your time? What does it look like to have total reliance on him and abandon all reliance on self? And do you build your life around the kind of communion you want to have with him, or do you build your communion with him around the life you have? So as we wrap up today, um, I just encourage everybody, like, let's... Let's be people who embrace our dependency on God, not people who resist it. Like, let's embrace the fact that we need more than just ourselves to thrive. Like, we need God. We need, we need God. We need each other. Like, we are in dire need of him, more than we can comprehend, more than we can even fathom. And when we embrace that, we'll start, to, we'll start to understand what true rest is. We'll start to understand what that looks like. We'll start to understand the kind of rhythm that God wants us to have. And it's then and only then that we'll be able to have total reliance on God every day, one day at a time. I told Anna that as I was going through this message, this is going to sound super cheesy. I said I have this really cheesy line, but I think it's actually good as far as walking away with something to remember. So earlier... You know, I, I mentioned the fact that we need God to raise the sun, S-U-N, to have physical life so that we would, so that our physical life could be sustained. And I would say it's so much more true that we need God to raise the sun, S-O-N, to have spiritual life. I know that sounds cheesy, but it's kind of easy for me to remember, and it was something that stuck, so do with that what you will. But like, we don't, we don't only need God for food. We don't only need God for, for sustenance, but we need God in a much deeper way for our souls. Like, 
without him, our souls will die. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what kind of baggage you're walking into this room with today. But we need to acknowledge the truth that our souls, our everlasting souls, are in desperate need of God. And the good thing is nobody knows that more than God knows that. And so God acted. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus so that our souls could be saved. He sent Jesus so that we could be forgiven. He sent Jesus so that we would know what true rest actually is, so that we could live this life thriving spiritually, not necessarily financially, not in any of those kind of ways, but he sent Jesus so that we could know what true life actually is. But the only way that we get there is if we realize that we need to be totally reliant on him each day, every moment of every day. Let's pray. Father, we just, uh, we once again are just humbled by the fact that you are even mindful of us, for the fact that we, we did nothing to deserve your love, to deserve your grace, but Lord, you gave it anyway. And so God, we, we pray today that you would show us our our true need for you in every way, not only physically here in this world, but, but spiritually, Lord. Help us to see that apart from you, we are lost. Apart from you, we're hopeless. And God, thank you for knowing that better than any of us could ever know that and for sending Jesus so that we would have hope, so that we would know what it means to have the kind of rest that you were created that you created us to have. God, help us to, to pinpoint the areas of our life where maybe we need to change our rhythm, to pinpoint the areas of our life where maybe we need to realize that we're not so independent, but that, Lord, a lot of what we do is actually dependent on you and what you do. God, help us to not be people who who just want a list of to-dos, who just want a list of application points. But Lord, help us to be people who care more about our relationship with you and our communion with you. Lord, help us wrestle with these questions today. And God, I pray that, that your Holy Spirit would be the one that reveals the answers, not man, not ourselves, but that it would be you, Father. Help us to be people who become more and more desperate for you every day. In Jesus' name, amen.